0: Is there anyone here who's a wrestler? Any wrestlers? Gwen? I wasn't expecting that. Any guys that wrestled? (laughs) No wrestlers? Okay, Rudy. John. I admire you guys. Kind of wonder if you're a little crazy, but I admire you. I had one wrestling match in uh, junior high Fayyad, and that was enough. Think of hanging on a sweaty, smelly junior high boy. That was not my idea of fun. Wrestling is a challenge. And we find a, a picture of that in our text today, Genesis 32, where Jacob met the Lord on a wrestling match. We'll begin reading at verse 24 of Genesis 32, and we read in Jesus' name. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, and Lord, it is a privilege to gather here to worship you and to praise you. And Father, it is also a great privilege to be able to open the words of Scripture and allow you to teach us. And we pray that you would indeed do that this morning. For the glory and the praise of Jesus, for we pray in His name. Amen. As I watched my father make pastoral visits, I learned something important, and that was to, in some way, connect with the one you're visiting. And he did it in various ways. I can remember him talking to uh, World War II veterans about the war because he was in Germany during World War II. Or if he knew that there were ones who had played sports, he loved sports, so he would talk about his uh, basketball days and baseball days and it just kind of creating some kind of a connection with the one to whom you are seeking to minister And as you study the Scriptures, you see that this is a a biblical principle. God Himself did this with different people. For example, to Abraham the pilgrim, God came to him as a traveler in Genesis 19 and spoke to Abraham. To Joshua, the general, God appeared to him in Joshua 5 as a soldier and spoke to him. And here in our text, to a man who had really wrestled with others to get what he wanted, God came to Jacob and met him on the wrestling match. In a way that I'm sure that Jacob could understand. And through this experience, Jacob really was a changed man. There are three ways that we see in our text that Jacob was wrestling. First of all, there was a wrestling match with fear. Jacob had to deal with the struggle of fear in his life. When Jacob left Laban to go back home, I suppose we could say he had good reason to be encouraged. For one thing, Laban and Mesopotamia were history He wouldn't have to go back there again and deal with this man who was uh, even more of a deceiver than Jacob was. But what was even of greater encouragement is what the Lord did for Jacob as he left that place. If you go back to verse one of, of our text, it says, as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. Jacob said when he saw them, this is God's camp So he named that place Mahanaim. The first time that Jacob met the angels of God was when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. Remember, the angels of God were ascending and descending on this ladder that was stretched to heaven. And in that vision, God gave Jacob a wonderful promise. He said, I will be with you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this place. And so now Jacob is on his way back, and this meeting of the angels of God was a reminder of what God had done earlier in his life, the promise he had made 20 years before this. And this would have been a great encouragement to Jacob to know that this same God who made that promise was still with him. And God would continue to go with him as he made his journey back home. And so he named the place... Mahanaim, which means two camps. And so as Jacob took his camp back to Canaan, God's camp would guide him on the way. And therefore, Jacob did not need to fear. However, even though Jacob was leaving behind the struggles with Laban, Jacob also had a very significant struggle ahead of him. He had deeply hurt his brother Esau 20 years prior to this, and now it was time to reconcile. Now it was time to come face to face with the brother who wanted to kill you. And I can imagine Jacob starting to think about this a little bit more. I'm going back to Esau, and the last thing I remember is he wanted to kill me. So even though he left that struggle of Laban behind, he was facing a bigger struggle ahead. Verse 3 says, Then Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He also commanded them, saying, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I've sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Interesting, he calls Esau my lord. He calls himself your servant. But then Jacob finds out... (laughs) There's a very fearful thing ahead of him because verse 6 says the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and furthermore he's coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So you're Jacob and you're thinking, okay... This doesn't look very good. Because the number 400 is a significant number from what I discovered. It was the standard size of a militia. And so what do you think is going through Jacob's mind? Okay, 400 men. All right, I know what that means. (laughs) Esau is still angry. These 20 years have not changed anything. I am in deep trouble. So what did Jacob do with his fear? If you read on, you will see that he did what he should have done. Verse 7, then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him into two companies. He said, if Esau comes to one company, at least we'll have the other company that will escape. And then verse 9, we see that Jacob went to God in prayer. Listen to this prayer. He said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you, and I will make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. That's the first recorded prayer of Jacob in Scripture. Here he is fearful. And, and notice his prayer. What a what a humble prayer it was. Uh, there isn't a hint of, of any credit that Jacob was taking for all the blessings that he had give, been given by God. He said, God, this, this comes from your hand. I went with just a staff, and look at how you have blessed me. It was an honest prayer. He's saying, Esau's coming and I'm scared. I am afraid. Lord, I am struggling. He's coming with these 400 men. And it was a prayer that was based on the promise of God. At the beginning and at the end of his prayer, he tells God that he is trusting the promises of his word. So as he wrestled here with fear, he brought it to the Lord in prayer. Are you wrestling with fear today? Now, some of you are probably in a position where you've left home and you're facing something new. Maybe Bible school, maybe seminary. That could be a scary time. You've left the comforts of what was normal to you. Family and church and friends, and you're in a you're in a new environment. That can cause us to fear. Some of you might fear sickness, some of you might fear old age. Some of you might fear the future. Some of us might be afraid of failure or of the world situation. I mean, there's all kinds of things that that we face in life when we begin to to wrestle with fear. Do you know what the answer is? The answer isn't complicated. (laughs) There aren't 14 different steps to dealing with fear and if you follow all 14 steps you're never going to be afraid again no what is the answer it's to do what Jacob did as those fears come we we bring them to Jesus as those challenges in life come we get down on our knees and we say God I'm I'm afraid of this but I'm going to stand on the promises of your word that's what Jacob did he said God I'm scared but you promised that you'd go with me, and you promised that you'd bring me back. And therefore, God, I, I stand on your word. A wrestling match with fear? <laughs> bring it to Jesus. But then there's a second way in which Jacob wrestled. There's a sense in which he had a wrestling match with self And that sounds kind of strange after his prayer to say that he struggled with self-sufficiency. But notice notice what happened. Verse 13 says, So he spent the night there, and then he selected from what he had with him a present for his brother Esau. And look at this gift. Two hundred female goats and twenty male goats two hundred ewes and twenty rams, thirty milking camels and their colts, forty cows and ten bulls, twenty female donkeys and ten male donkeys. He delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and he said to his servants, Pass on before me, and put a space between droves, He commanded the one in front, saying, When my brother Esau meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong, and where are you going, and to whom do these animals in front of you belong, then you shall say, These belong to your servant Jacob. It is a present to my lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. Then he commanded also the second and the third and all those who followed the drove, saying, After this manna you shall speak to Esau when you find him, and you shall say, Behold, your servant Jacob also is behind us. Now, can you imagine giving to your brother... I counted it up. It's, it's at least 550 animals. I mean, that's a, that's a huge... Gift isn't it? And they came in in five different droves. So here, here comes one group, and, and you picture Esau saying, "Well, what's this about? Well, this is from your servant Jacob to his Lord Esau. And that drove is done, and here comes a second one. And the servant says the same thing. And here comes a third one. Here comes the fourth one. Here comes the fifth one. And with each one of those, these belong to your servant Jacob. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau. So what is Jacob doing here? Some say it's an illustration of how he had changed because prior to this he was seeking to take everything he could from Esau and now he's ready to give something back to him. Certainly that could be the case. Others say it is putting feet to your prayers, huh? He's praying, Lord, help me, and then he's doing what he can, you know, putting feet to your prayers. You've probably heard that phrase used before. But if you look at verse 20, is there not a sense in which Jacob is still struggling at least a little bit here with self-sufficiency? Because, he says, you shall say, behold, your servant Jacob also is behind us, for he said, I will appease him. I will appease him with the present that goes before me, then afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. Now this is after he just got done praying. Remember his prayer? <laughs> Lord, I fear Esau. And yet, you've said, you will guide me. you will be with me. You will take me back to this place. And now he's offering this, this huge offering of, of 550 animals, and he's trying to appease his brother. So on the one hand, he's saying, Lord, help me. And on the other hand, he's saying, well, i got to do something to appease him. <laughs> Isn't that kind of a picture of us sometimes? Where, where we're saying, okay, God, help me. and We pray about something, and then we kind of... There's got to be something that I can do here. <laughs> is that a little bit of what we might call self-sufficiency? Do you ever wrestle with self-sufficiency? Maybe you're thinking, "Who me? Who me?" huh? Ever wrestle with that? <laughs> Someone has said that prayerlessness is a sign of self-sufficiency. Because we think we can handle it on our own. Someone said worry is a sign of self-sufficiency. We worry when we face circumstances that we can't change. As if God is unable to work in those situations. How about manipulation? Is that a sign of self-sufficiency? We think the only way that something is going to happen is if we make it happen by influencing the outcome. Is that self-sufficiency. Maybe we're more self-sufficient than we're willing to admit. What is the cure for that? It's the same thing, isn't it? Bring it to Jesus. Lord, I have been trying to live my life in my own wisdom, my own strength. God, I need you. I desperately need you. So he wrestled with fear. He wrestled with self-sufficiency. But the third thing he wrestled with, and that's what we see at the end of the chapter, it was a wrestling match with God. A wrestling match with God. As a father and a husband, Jacob was committed to his family, to protect his family. And so he sent them across the river, and he figured that there, there would at least be some obstacle between Esau and his 400 men and my family. If it's only a river, at least it's something. And then Jacob spent the night alone, verse 24 says. And I think that's significant, that God got him alone. <laughs> and this was probably the darkest night of Jacob's life. As he reflected on what he was about to face, he knew that he was no match for his angry brother Esau with a 400 man militia. And in the darkness of that night, the Lord grabbed hold of him and wrestled him until daybreak. And it was a painful night for Jacob, certainly physically. Verse 25 says, When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated. Any of you ever dislocated a joint? Can you imagine dislocating your hip? So that was a painful experience for Jacob physically. Could we say that it was a painful experience for Jacob spiritually? He had come face to face with who he was and how he had lived his life. He was concerned about making things right with Esau, and he knew he needed God's help to do that. But before he made things right with Esau, he needed to get alone with the Lord. Warren Wiersbe puts it this way. He said, more than anything else, Jacob wanted the blessing of the Lord on his life. And for this holy desire, he's to be commended. But before we can begin to be like the Lord, we have to face ourselves and admit what we are in ourselves. That's why the Lord asked him, what is your name? Now think of that. That's a significant question. For God to ask him, What is your name? Because, as far as the Genesis record is concerned, the last time that Jacob was asked, What is your name? What did he say? He said, I'm Esau. Remember? I'm Esau. That's what he told his father Isaac. What is your name? Oh, I'm I'm Esau. <laughs> Wearsby says the Lord didn't ask this question in order to get information because he certainly knew Jacob's name and that Jacob had the reputation of being a schemer and a deceiver. What's your name meant? Are you going to continue living up to your name, deceiving yourself and others? Or will you admit what you are? And let me change you. That was really the thrust of that question. What is your name? Are you going to keep living like Jacob? Or are you going to trust me? It's obvious that Jacob wanted God to change him, and God did. Gave him a new name. Verse 28, he said, Your name shall be no longer Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And besides getting a new name, he also got a new limp. (laughs) Verse 31 says, The sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. And I can't help but think that from that day onward, Jacob had a limp the rest of his life to remind him... (laughs) Every step he took, what happened there at Peniel? Reminding him of coming to the place of surrender. And God did not want him to forget that event. And then Jacob gave a new name to the place where he met the Lord that day, verse thirty. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. You see, for much of Jacob's life, he had his back turned toward God because he was going to do it himself. Right? Right? He could figure out a way. He could deceive. He could get what he wanted. But now he came across a situation facing Esau with all these men, realizing he could not face it alone. And he came face to face with God. And having come face to face with God, Jacob was now ready to come face to face with with Esau. So I want to ask you a question today. Have you come face to face with God? Have you come to that place like Jacob did where you realized that you needed the Lord? You needed to come to Him for salvation. You need to come to Him daily in your Christian walk, coming face to face with God, saying, God, I can't do this in myself. Samuel, who was four, had finished eating his dinner and asked if he could be dismissed from the table. He wanted to go outside and play. But he was too young to go out alone, so his mother said, no, you can't go out by yourself. You need to wait for me to finish and go with you. And his reply was this, but mommy, Jesus is with me. Mommy, did you know that? Jesus is with me. Isn't that how we are to face the challenges of life? Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me. Whether it's fear or self-sufficiency like Jacob, we need Jesus, don't we? Or if it's anger or bitterness or lust or pride, we need Jesus. Whatever we are wrestling with today... The answer is the same, isn't it? It's coming face to face with Jesus. And saying, Lord, I'm not sufficient for this. But you are. You are the one I need in my life, Lord. Be my Savior. Be the one that walks with me. Be my strength and my help every day. Are you willing to admit your need to Jesus? Are you willing to surrender to His control like Jacob came to the place finally of saying, Okay, Lord, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me, as if to say, God, I need you desperately in my life. I can't face Esau without you. An old hermit. was met one day by someone who said, are you still wrestling with the devil? He said, no, I've quit wrestling with the devil and now I'm wrestling with God. And the person said, well, you don't hope to win, do you? He said, nope, I hope to lose. As if to say, I surrender, Lord. Bill Gaither wrote a song some years ago. It said, I had won all I could win. There was no place I hadn't been. But my heart was so needy and so poor. Then I heard him gently say, lose it all and find my way. So I gave it up and found it all and more. I was frantic to survive. I was racing to arrive. And I walked on any standing in my way. Then I watched my schemes all die, and I realized that I could find new life because the old had died that day. I lost it all to find everything. I died a pauper to become a king. When I learned how to lose, I found out how to win. Oh, I lost it all to find everything. Is that the life of Jacob? He had to come to the place where he said, Okay, Lord, you need to be the one who who helps me. You need to be the one who is my source of strength. We lay it all down. We, 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 we lose it all that we might win. The world doesn't understand that, does it, do they? But when we wave the, the white flag of surrender and say, Lord, I give it all up for You. All my schemes, all my plans, all my goals, whatever it might be. Lord, have Your will in my life. Have Your way. Is that where you need to come to that place today? You've been like Jacob. And you need to die to the old Jacob and be raised to, to new life. That's what God wants to do in your life today. When I learned how to lose, I found how to win. Oh, I lost it all to find everything. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for the patience that You show us, even as You showed to Jacob. All these years You were shaping him and molding him and bringing him, Father, to that place of surrender, the place where he acknowledged to you, O God, that he could not face the future unless you blessed him, unless you changed him, unless you provided what he needed. O God, I pray that each one of us would be at that place as well, Lord, as we wrestle with the challenges of life, Help us to see, Lord, that victory is found in you and in you alone. Lord, do your work in our midst today for the glory and the praise of Jesus. For we pray in his name. Amen.